Welcome to the Future of Growth podcast with Agrify, formerly known as Agrify Live. Here, we'll be exploring all things related to cannabis, ag tech, controlled environment agriculture, vertical farming, cultivation science, industry trends, and more. Informed by science and driven by data, episodes will enlighten our audience through open dialogue with thought leaders, innovators, and industry disruptors who are forging the future of growth. Join our host, David Kessler, Chief Science Officer at Agrify, as he dives into the many facets that cannabis and agriculture have to offer. Stay connected with Agrify by joining us on all platforms at Agrify Corp and by visiting our website, www.agrify.com. Sit tight for another episode of The Future of Growth, coming at you now. Today, my guest is Socrates Rosenfeld. Socrates is the CEO and founder of iHeartJane Technologies, a platform that helps brands build that notoriety, that recognition, and uh, is a leading uh, provider of a new platform called Indirect Consumer, which is really changing and shaping the way brands reach their uh, consumer base. So Socrates, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you making time today. Thanks, David. Thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Uh, So where are you joining us from today, Socrates? Uh, I'm uh, joining you from uh, my home uh, in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. Not a bad place to be in the world today. Wonderful. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind being in California. We still have a little snow here on the ground in Colorado, so uh, warmth is good. Yes. Now, how? Let, let's go through your history. You have a fascinating history. Uh, you were in the military, and let me just say, uh, it's never too late. Thank you for your service. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's much appreciated. Um, and once you were out of the military, you went to MIT. Uh, you worked at McKinsey. Uh, McKinsey is a global leader in providing strategic uh, and management consulting. So that's an amazing job. And, you know, what was your specific focus or sectors of focus while you were there? And how did that shape your building the iHeartJane technology uh, company? Great question. So um, uh, I was very fortunate to land at McKinsey after um, uh, business school. And one of the beautiful parts about um management consultant in general, and in particularly in, in McKinsey, because they do a phenomenal job of it, is it'll take someone like me who has had no traditional business experience and be able to put them in a position where we as, as, the, as the consultants can get exposed to a bunch of different businesses or verticals or functions, start to uncover patterns and then provide those pattern analyses back to our clients. And so you know, you would do this in oil and gas, or you would do this in pharma. Um, I was very fortunate to be out of the Silicon Valley office. And so my focus was really lo- largely on technology. And one of the studies I was on um, and how this really, this, this was the threshold into me coming up with Jane with, along with the, the founding team was um, I was studying aggregators or, or as we called them, as we refer to them, but essentially these were digital businesses, largely marketplaces in restaurants. So think Grubhub or places today like Airbnb or 
Mm -hmm. Amazon for all things retail, 1-800-Flowers, if you remember that, that, that business uh, for flowers, was studying all these different aggregators and really kind of came up with the hypothesis, well, uh, two. One was that the future cannabis consumer was going to want to shop like we shop for everything else in the world. And at the time, it was 2015. And um, I said, okay, by 2020, the new consumers coming into this space, not necessarily the existing medical patients like myself, uh, who are okay with going and driving to the store and, and, and kind of conversing with the bud tender, but the future of this industry is gonna look a lot like traditional retail and traditional retail, now that it's digitized, provides what's known as purchasing power to the consumer. And we define purchasing power as you know, the ability to curate products based on the individual's preferences, the ability to allow the consumer to sort by different variables like price, uh, reviews, the ability to get recommendations. You know, we love on Amazon when I put something into my cart, suddenly now there are complimentary items that uh, would work quite well. And this is not based on what Amazon's saying, it's based on what millions and millions of ver verified consumers are saying. And so all those variables, we said, you know what, in five years, it's going to look like this. That was at least our hypothesis. And then our second hypothesis really was, is there something beyond an Amazon? Um, meaning we all love the convenience that it provides. Um, but it seems like we more and more now are shopping at one seller for everything whether it's diapers or household goods or now groceries with Whole Foods, it's now com computing infrastructure with cloud hosting, right? Servers, everything is going to this one company, which is quite convenient, but also not necessarily what this country was founded on. Um, there are, there's always usually when one thing gets very, very big, there's something behind that. And, and we were wondering, and we had the hypothesis that the future of e-commerce is not going to look like an Amazon, but instead will go to a company or companies that are able to digitize existing brick and mortar infrastructure mm -hmm. and then digitize that infrastructure, taking a local pet store and allowing them to step into the digital world without requiring any work for that small business. You know, to, today, or at least a year ago, you, you had big companies like Walmart building their own software. And you also had small companies like your local hardware store trying to build their own e-commerce. And that's, you know, if MIT and software engineers at our company, that's really hard to do for us, let alone you're trying to manage a small business. And so cannabis, the industry served as just a wonderful ecosystem to go and pursue that, which we're very passionate about, which is providing safe, transparent, trusted access to this plant for the millions and millions of consumers that need it around the world, number one. But number two is, can we actually not go down the road that so many other e-commerce companies have gone down? You take in the restaurant industry, these tech companies are taking 35% margin from small businesses off a historically very, very small margin business, which is restaurants, one to two, one to 2%. It's, it's unprofitable for these restaurants to, to, to partner with these dispensaries so that it's actually a competition now. You know, you call up uh, your local restaurant, they'll say, hey, don't order on DoorDash, just call it in. 
pick it up. You know, we, we get all the margin. Then you have Amazon, again, a wonderful tech company, but they're too good. And they're, they're putting businesses out of business locally. The local shopping mall here in Santa Cruz is completely empty. You know, that, where are we supposed to build community? Downtown is suffering. It's because everybody's buying products from, from this entity known as Amazon. And so this opportunity that we have, this timing and position in this moment in time, we want to take advantage of it. And so we, we have provided or have built what's known as this automated e-commerce platform, which hopefully is a step in the right direction of what the future will look like behind an Amazon. Honestly, I'm not saying Amazon goes away, but is there a way we can provide for the consumers? Like on Jane, you can search by what anything you want. You can get recommendations. You can read verified reviews. You can compare by price. But now you're not shopping from one company that has a warehouse in the middle of the you know country and getting on an airplane and getting it delivered to you in two days. It's down the street. It's it's your local neighborhood dispensary, and so that's something that we're really excited to to bring to market. That's fantastic, Socrates. So if I understand, iHeartJane is connecting the end user, the patient or consumer, and also small businesses, but without forcing that small business to become uh, an expert in something that they may not be, such as web development and marketing and all of that. Uh, And instead, you're providing a very easy to navigate and not uh, unfair in terms of cost way to connect the consumer and the business. And that's admirable. I I almost think you had a crystal ball because you absolutely read the market right back in 2014. And what we've seen is a ongoing desire of the consumer to have uh, choices, right? And when you have only one dispensary in your neighborhood, okay, that might limit you. And when you can transport products uh, across the country, let alone across state lines, that also limits you. So this platform connects these two groups and does so in a way that's beneficial for both. Now, you compared it to Amazon, which is a a well-known platform, but maybe we can kind of compare and contrast some of the differences in the way iHeartJane operates and the way Amazon does. As you said, it might be a a future kind of model, the the Amazon model of the future, where it's a little bit more supportive of retailers and uh, uh, less crushing. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about the similarities and the differences, if you would. Cool. So the, the, Let's, let's start with the similarities. For the consumer, it's quite similar. You know, you go on Amazon, you're searching for a product. You just search for, uh, and I, I'm stuck on this vacuum cleaner thing because I, I had bought a vacuum cleaner recently. You know you're in your late 30s when you're talking about vacuum cleaners. I, I have to pause you, Socrates. <laughs> I got my wife a, uh, a Roomba. It's not a Roomba, but for Christmas. And I yeah. swear... It was the best gift. She is so happy when she can just say she's vacuuming and she's like, not vacuuming, she's doing something else. <laughs> there you go, but, right? uh, never thought that would be a good gift, but please, vacuum cleaners are uh, exactly. an unusual topic. If, you, if your 20-year-old self could see you now talking about <laughs> That's the truth. Um, but it was, so you're looking for a vacuum cleaner. You don't necessarily type in this exact vacuum cleaner you're looking for. Because nine times out of 10, you don't really know. You, you go with the intent to purchase on Amazon, but you also go to get educated. And so maybe you type in vacuum cleaner, or maybe you type in a brand, or maybe you type in, you know, 
automatic or robotic vacuum cleaner, something generic. Mm-hmm. Amazon will curate that down um, based and, and based on your, your search query, they'll pull all these items and they'll say, okay, David, is, is this what you're looking for? And you say, well, this is a lot. Let me curate this down even more. Hey, I want to, I want to find it under this certain price, or I want to only let, uh, I, want, I want to find the top rated ones, or mm-hmm. I want to sort by who can get it to me within two days. Um, I don't want to wait for it. So you can do all that stuff on Jane as well. Then you click on your vacuum cleaner. Let's say it's a, it's a Dyson vacuum cleaner. It's the only one mm-hmm. brand I really know. <clears throat> you can read directly from Dyson a photo about that di- vacuum cleaner, a description, the specs, right? Trusted saying, okay, hey, this is coming from uh, Dyson. This seems, this seems to be trusted. But then not only do you want to hear it from the brand itself, but also now you get to re-verify reviews. People who have maybe said, you know what, I live in a two-bedroom apartment. This is perfect. But if you have a four-bedroom house, it runs out of battery. You know, or hey, if, if you have wood floors, this is not really what you want. But again, down to that level of trust and verification, you're not talking, unfortunately, for folks like you, know, you go on Yelp, for instance, you don't know whether or not those reviews are true, false from a bot, from a competitor, right? Absolutely. Amazon's pretty obsessive about making sure that they have verification on, on their reviews because they don't want to lose the trust of the consumer. Same with us. And so exactly the same experience for the end consumer, you can after sorting by price and, and you know, reading reviews and all those things, you can click on the product. You'll get direct content from the brand itself. We could talk about how we collect that information. Mm-hmm. The right photo, the right descriptions, you know, the right uh, potency, the right ratios. And then you can scroll down and then start reading verified reviews from actual consumers. You place your order on Amazon, Let's say you're part of Amazon Prime. At the best, it takes two days to get to you, right? Yeah. At best, and then it. I'm a. You know, I live in California. I'm. I'm uh, we got wires here. We're paying attention to the environment, our carbon footprint. I'm like, man, Absolutely. I order a lot of stuff from Amazon that gets on airplanes and 18 wheelers just to get to my house in two days, which is wonderfully convenient for me. But what kind of carbon footprint is that that leaving on the world? And on Jane, when you order, you can't ship the product in the mail. As much as I would love to have some of your your product, David, shipped to my house or vice versa to be able to ship some Santa Cruz product to my my friends in Boston, Massachusetts, for instance, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So as inconvenient as that is, what that now does is it drives commerce local. Just in Santa Cruz alone, I have, you know, Santa Cruz, greater Santa Cruz area is about 100,000 people. There's over a dozen dispensaries in my area. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a wonderful thing. And so when I place my order, instead of waiting two days, I can now place an order for same day delivery, same hour. I can schedule a pickup. So if I'm working, I can place an order as I'm you know, perusing my, eating my breakfast and then pick it up after 5 p.m. after I'm done with work. I can get this delivered to me. I can do curbside. I can go into the store for an order ahead it will be either same day or on demand or something like that. And that's where it actually differs versus an Amazon. On the flip side, so that's the, that's the consumer experience. Now on the seller experience, very, very different. 
Amazon works with these sellers. Sellers will say, hey, can, can you, uh, I will, Dyson, for instance, will give a bunch of vacuum cleaners to Amazon to, to, for Amazon to wholesale and store in their, they call them these large, enormous fulfillment centers. Right. Enormous. You know, Most of us living in uh, cities have them popping up right next door. Very we true. Just built one in Denver. Very true. You know, I, a lot of robots, working conditions, who knows? Regardless, it is, that's where the products sit. At Jane, again, we can't, and so those products sit in the warehouse. You order that vacuum cleaner, that robot picks it up, puts it on an airplane, 18 wheeler, post office to your doorstep in two days. At Jane, we don't have warehouses. In fact, every product that you're seeing is sitting at a physical retailer local to you in real time. And so when you place that order, it's not having to go from a fulfillment center to an airplane, et cetera. It actually is just sitting at your local dispensary. But the reason why we don't like to go to local businesses, yeah, get in the car, yeah, drive there, we got to park, you know, it's a commitment. And then now I'm in your store and maybe I don't necessarily see what I'm looking for. Or maybe right. I do see the product that I want and it's not the best price. And now I have a question, man, should I go into the other side of town and, and see if it was the best price? That's where it's different is now you can order this product, you know, in, in same day versus on Amazon, they have to actually wholesale the products, inventory them, and then get those products to you. Some of their businesses with third-party sellers that are able to ship that product directly to you, but that's not really their core business. Either way, it's not coming from a, a retail business local to your area and something that fortunately we, we, we can provide for the cannabis consumer here across 33 states. That's fantastic because between the curated customer experience, the verified reviews, and then the different way you treat the sellers compared to Amazon, you're really supporting local businesses. You're reducing overall carbon footprint. You're giving or providing a great service to the cannabis community as a whole. Um, and you're doing all of this through this amazing digital platform. So you talked about the uh, sellers needing to digitize their inventory. And I think that's something we should dig into because, you know, I am getting used to shopping online and being able to both research, just like you said, the particular commodity I'm interested in purchasing, compare multiple different uh, sellers or retailers of those products, you know, compare not just the price, but the reviews, the shipping times, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, minor differences in a product. But how is iHeartJane using the digitization of inventory or, or how does that benefit the sellers and the uh, end consumers? So that's a great question. In retail, before Jane, let's say you and I had a, had a small little dispensary in Santa Cruz. When we got a shipment in of product and we are putting this you know, into our inventory system, before Jane, we had to take a photo of the product. We had to manually write the description into our e-commerce as well as into our point of sale system. Then mm -hmm. we had to, when, when someone ordered the product, we had to go and run over to our e-commerce solution 
and you know, minus one on that. So it was extremely manual. Every new product we had to manually up, upload onto our online menu. Every product that it got ordered, we had to manually discount or, or, or decrease. And so there was not a lot of automation there. Mm-hmm. What's worse is that sometimes, you know, your day shift would input the product a certain way. And maybe they would spell something wrong. And then at night, your night shift would abbreviate it. But it's the exact same product, right? You're, you're, you're nodding because it's, it's maddening at the retail location. Absolutely. Not only the double entry, but then it adds to confusion. And, you know, in cannabis businesses, for those that aren't aware, the state often limits how much product can be on site at any given time. So when you have systems that might not be communicating, you actually run the risk of being less profitable, not having the products your consumers and clients want on hand, even though you might think you do. So clearly, iHeartJane is going to help us with that. Exactly. So before, like way back in the day in the medical market here in California, there was really this super manual process. And, you know, you'd go on these old antiquated Yelp-like listing sites, you'd see a menu item that you really wanted, you'd get in your car, you couldn't order it, but you'd get in your car, you'd show up and you'd be like, man, I'm, I want to buy a, a quarter of this flower, this strain. And they're like, uh, sorry, we ran out of that two weeks ago, <laughs> right? And it's maddening. And that's what happens. Yeah. Um, and so then it, then it progressed into, okay, there were some tech companies out there that were trying to do what's known as a scrape integration. And so they would Hmm. take all the information in the, in the inventory system, which is the point of sale. And they would just as whether it's misspelled, whether it's abbreviated, there's the wrong photo or the wrong description, they're just going to scrape it. And exactly. You called it double entries on the menu. And it's like, as a consumer, it doesn't instill a lot of trust as a retailer. It's, not the experience that you want to provide. And ultimately, when you're trying to evaluate whether or not that SKU performed well, that product performed well, and that SKU is represented 14 different ways in your data set, good luck trying to run analyses on that. And so that's called a scrape integration. Mm -hmm. We have some IP around our ability to do what's known an ETL integration. We extract E transform, which is the T, load, which is the L. It's a very nerdy way of saying we're able to cleanse all the misspellings, clean up all the abbreviations, apply the right content at the right time. And so now we can take all your quote unquote dirty data in your inventory, clean clean it up, apply the right content and automatically showcase the right product with the right taxonomy, the right effects, the right description, the right photo, and retailers have to do zero work. When someone places an order on that product, it will push back into the point of sale system. So there's no kind of separate manual entry for fulfillment. Mm-hmm. They can check that person out. Now they're getting real, they're they're getting their online information as clean as their offline information, if not cleaner, to be honest with you. That's what we're able to do. And so there were dispensaries and you knew this probably better than most David where that were literally hiring for menu maintenance to be able to manage menus on this e-commerce site and that e-commerce site and their website and this, 
if you use Jane, you no longer have to hire for that position. And now retailers can do what retailers do best, provide in-person service and consultation to their consumers and, and not have to worry about the, the technology, you know, complexity in the back end. We will take care of all of that. That's fantastic. I mean, working at Agrify, where we provide cultivation solutions in hardware and software to really address problems and, and concerns in cultivation around consistency um, and around key personnel risk uh, yeah. that can often be tied to cultivation, you're providing an amazing service, not just to the consumers, but to the business. I mean, and when you talk about cleaning up the data, I just have to, to, to say, in a modern consumer world where we're shopping online, we don't get to go in, we don't have the persona of the people working there, the warmth of the design, how it was decorated. You don't get that feel. You have to make your judgments based on the website. And when you have misspellings and, and you know double content and incorrect information, it changes your user experience. And even more so, if that data is out of date and I took time out of my day to come to your place of business and I try and procure it, uh, even worse, if I had called ahead and it, it still wasn't there. And, and what you're really providing is a, a better way of doing business, but it's actually better for everyone, for the business, for iHeart, and for the consumer. And it's the kind of experience that I think that the modern consumer is looking for. We, we want that curated experience. We want to feel like uh, we're still being treated as an individual and that you know, the way I like to shop, the uh, filters, as we, we talked about, that are important to me, um, show up in, in the way I search. Now, does your platform uh, allow that? Do you get to kind of, uh, does it learn a consumer? How's that as a question? Yes, great question. I, I, lo I love this question too, because it, it, it needs to. Cannabis is not an impersonal commodity. It is not water. It is not, I mean, and I say water, but if you ever walk down a grocery store aisle, there's like <laughs> 20 different brands of water, right? Yeah. Um, cannabis is extremely personal. And I, I've used this, this analogy a bunch and I love it. And you can, this is yours, man, if you want it. Oh, <laughs> cannabis is a really, it, it's a lot like music. And what I mean by that is you and I could sit down and we can listen to a Jimi Hendrix song or Led Zeppelin song or Bob Marley song. I'm, I'm letting you into the, the music I listen to. I'm stuck in the it's path. It's okay. We overlap, my friend. One time <laughs> I had dreadlocks, believe it or not. <laughs> no, not. Hell yeah. Um, you could feel a very certain way and I could feel a very certain way that, that might be similar, might be different, might be deeper on a level, right? Might, might, might strike a chord with you for us and for me, maybe not so much. Consuming different forms of cannabis creates that very similar effect where you and I could consume the exact same cannabis product, but it could affect you extremely differently than it affects me. Hmm. And so if we treat every cannabis consumer the same, we're doing a disservice to the consumer. And in my opinion, we're doing a disservice to the plant. And so how do we strike the right chord of creating this curation? I love when I go on Spotify and I like a track, I get similar tracks, not the exact mm -hmm. same one, but similar. That is what we're working on at, at Jane. 
we want to be able to, when David shops at a certain store, does that experience, is that experience personal to David versus when I shop at a, at a store, is that personal to me? Digitally, you're exactly right. I don't know when we'll ever be able to, to actually fully come back into a retail store and spend some time and wait in line. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's coming back anytime soon. And so your experience digitally is the brand. And so on behalf of these retailers, how do we curate their merchandise in a way that speaks to the individual consumer uh, without, without limiting discovery as well? That's something that we pay attention to. Man, if you just love sativas and all I did was give you a sativa, 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 right? You're like, okay, that's, that's great. But man, maybe there's actually, and I'm not going to get into the sativa indica conversation with you because I know, I know I'm wrong already. <laughs> But you get my point. It's like I do, right? And and now even talking about terpene profiles, man, it goes to the nth degree of different curation and personalization we can we can provide to the consumer. And so, absolutely, that's something we're working on. We want to do it again on behalf of that retailer. We want to provide the right personal experience to the consumer where they they're you know if I never if I'm not an edible person. I maybe not necessarily want to have to scroll through the edibles in order to get to my flower. And I love flowers, mm -hmm. for instance, right? So maybe we move the flower up in, in at eye level or just an idea. Um, those are, are initiatives that we are working on. And, and again, I think it's right for the retailer. I think it's right for the, the, the brand itself. I think it's wonderful for the consumer. And, and ultimately, I think it, it does the right service for the plant in that cannabis is not just a commodity. There are different variations of this plant in different forms that affect people very, very differently. Technology can curate that and, and, and make that a, a, a very personal experience. And I, and I think it warrants that. I love some of the language you use, Socrates. Uh, curation is important. Talking about cannabis as more than a commodity. Uh, and we also, you're talking a lot about brands. Um, mm. And so there's a famous quote from an economist that is, uh, if you are not a brand, then you are a commodity producer. And as a commodity producer, you're going to be subject to the fluctuations of a market that's beyond your control. And Love so the, the way in which you allow uh, both small producers, large producers, retailers to kind of help build that brand to build more than a commodity of production. Uh, is really a service that's that's tremendous, and I just have to say I loved your music analogy because thanks, man. You and that, I, means my, lot. that means a no, lot. It is fantastic. I mean, when you think about it, you and I might say we both love music, right? We both love cannabis. You right. might like jazz, and I might like swing. And you know, exactly. while we both listen to the same song, we're going to have a very different experience because of the different biochemistry, because of exactly. the way the profile of chemicals in the cannabis plant affect you differently than me. While we can both say we liked the Coltrane song we just listened to, uh, you might have a favorite part, I might have a favorite part, yeah. and we also might have had a very different uh, simultaneously similar experience. And, and it's a beautiful analogy for cannabis. So cool. thank you for that. That is cool. a, a wonderful uh, analogy to have in uh, my repertoire. That means a lot coming from an experienced man like yourself, man. That, that's- uh, You're very yeah, kind. That's, uh, I, I still feel like I'm a, a new cannabis consumer. I've only been really consuming for nine years. And then, so, yeah. 
tell me about how you got into cannabis. I mean, ex-military, MIT, I think you even did your MBA where? At, at Harvard? Uh, yeah, uh, at, yeah. At, at MIT, yeah. Um, oh, at MIT, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so that generally, uh, some people might not say jives <laughs> with their idea of a cannabis consumer. So how did you get involved in yes. the industry as a whole? Thank you for asking that. And, and I, I like to say that I'm kind of this... Um, amalgamation of all different cannabis consumers. If, you know, and I, I, I'll go on a, a little bit of a tangent, just based on the recent election, you know, everybody's very excited about New Jersey. It's gonna set the precedent. Man, I'm really excited about Mississippi. I, I lived in Alabama for two years at flight school. Uh, shout out to, to Enterprise Alabama. That is a very different looking place than New Jersey. And in this day and age, you could argue that very, very different. We're very divided as a country, but man, when you have a Southern state and a Northern state, a red state, a blue state, old people, young people, conservatives, progressives, all agreeing on, man, cannabis works. And uh, yeah, we don't need to, the, the pro prohibition needs to end. Um, I think it's a, a wonderful thing. So my background really kind of bringing all those different groups together. I uh, was in the, the military, I got, I, I never consumed cannabis a day in my life, David. I, um, I was a very kind of, you know, a athletically minded, academic minded. I was a kid of the D.A.R.E. program. And, and uh, I believed Officer Gary when he told me in, I think, like fifth grade, hey, cannabis will make you a criminal and will make you dumb or lazy. And I was like, cool. Yeah. That's all I needed to hear, Officer Gary. I'm uh, not going to go and do that. And I got out of the service. I was 29 years old. I, um, I, I felt okay body-wise, physically. I thought yeah. I felt okay emotionally. You know, I, the, I talked to the doctor. Doctor's like, cool, you're good. No, no issues. I got out. Here I was. I was an officer. I didn't have any debt. I had no kids. I was going to, to graduate school. I should have been feeling free and yeah, uh, over the moon yeah yeah just like wow okay my next my next chapter and man i could i was not feeling that i felt the i guess the word i use a lot is this this um abnormal intensity all the time uh i mean i am an intense person as it is uh and i try to to calm that down but my, after serving in the military, everything was life and death to me. I was a commander. I flew helicopters. I went to combat. I was trained to think that everything was going to be life and death because that was, in more times than not, that was the truth. And we, that was we, your life for that. Yeah, those were, those were table stakes there. And you get out and everything was life and death that no longer had to be. Going, applying to business school, finding a job, finding a place to stay helping my wife find a job, moving. It was all as though we were deploying to combat around every turn. And I know there are some veterans out there listening and I'm, I'm sure they, 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 are, they can empathize. And here I was completely, you know, I, 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 um, I, I thought I was completely okay and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And um, my, my wife, my brother, and my, my good friend who's also a co-founder of the company, they all sat me down and basically said, you know, we see you trying all these different things, working out harder, you know, mm -hmm. yoga, uh, talking to other people, 
why don't you just try to, um, it's Friday night. Why don't you just try to have a joint and see if you can relax. And um, I did, and it changed my life. Um, I remember feeling the feeling of presence again, the feeling of truly relax, relaxing as though I was a child again mm-hmm. before I joined the, the, the military. And two things happened to me. It sent me on this course of wanting to know cannabis and everything about it. And now I'm, what a blessing. I get to actually pursue that, which I'm passionate about. And, and something I'm trying to create here at Gene for other, for other people. But the biggest thing it did for me, David, was um, I remember going back and thinking, you know, thinking about Officer Gary and being like, what other things in my life have I taken on face value to just be true? Mm-hmm. To be fact, without having conviction myself that this is actually the truth. And um, that opened a door in my life that I don't think I'll ever close. And so now I've kind of, for the, for the rest of my life, I, you know, I want to pursue that, which is true. Whether it's painful, whether it's nice, whether it's good or bad, or however we want to interpret it, man, I, I want to, I, I want to experience my truth. And so that, that taught me a lot of, you know, if I, if I haven't done my research firsthand, secondhand, whatever, um, you know, I'm not necessarily, I'm going to remain skeptical. And mm-hmm. I think this is why you're seeing the shift across the country. I just saw this Gallup poll, what, 68% of Americans now favor now support. Uh, legalization. And yep. it's because you can't go anywhere anymore without talking to someone who has said, well, my, my, my grandmother, she's arthritic hands. She's an artist. Man, she put some topical cream on her hands. She never consumed cannabis a day in her mm-hmm. life. And she was dancing, literally dancing, so happy. You know, my, my, um, my veteran friends who were taking prescription drugs, so many of them, uh, you know, go talk to them and say, hey, what, what did cannabis do to you? How many parents, you all hear, uh, you know, Charlotte's story um, mm-hmm. uh, almost a decade ago that put cannabis really into the mainstream. There are thousands of Charlottes out there. Thousands of, of parents out there finding relief in cannabis. And so, you know, I, I think the country is waking up. I think the world is waking up. And I'm glad I woke up nine years ago. And I'm not going to close my eyes anymore, David, as long as I can, I can help it. We're all glad you woke up because Ari Hart Jane provides such amazing technology and services. But to, to the point of, you know, taking yourself into the present and, and getting off of that fight or flight, uh, always high adrenaline, everything is an emergency. Um, you know, I'd call it a elevated type A personality, but the fact of the matter is by coming into the present, you're able to appreciate so much more. And, um, you know, my undergrad was in philosophy and psychology before I knew I wanted to be in horticulture. I ended up marrying, um, a PhD philosopher. So your pursuit of truth, your pursuit of, uh, you know, what is real yeah. resonates with me. And I think that a lot of us have taken things at face value over the course of our lives, especially from authority figures, such as a policeman when you're a child. But we're at a point now, and as adults, as we mature, 
you should question. You should question your politicians. Why are they doing what they're doing? You should question what your tastes are. Have, have you ever you know, tried to expand the food profiles you like right. or the cannabis profiles? Right. You know, and learning what you like is a, a key way of increasing not just your happiness, but your experience with the world. If, if you narrow that down, uh, it really is limiting. And it sounds like your doors are wide open, you're open to the experience, and clearly you're bringing amazing uh, services to the cannabis industry as a whole on all sides, from the consumer, the retailer, and the producer. That's, that's it. I appreciate that. So one thing we haven't really talked about is, you know, you must be aggregating a good bit of data. And data is something that is going to be valuable in the future. But I'm curious at what kind of insights you're gleaming into cannabis uh, cons uh, consumers and, and what those trends are and are they changing? I mean, I'm sure COVID has impacted cannabis from what I've seen, increased uh you know, amounts of cannabis being purchased, you know, smaller, less gram uh, options, more eights and bigger sizes. People are yep. reticent to come into stores. But what other kind of trends are you seeing? And uh, what is your thought on, on those? Are they advancing the industry or is it just evolving? I, it's, you know, the, the, the information that we collect and organize, we take it, it is the, the heart of our business. And so we take that extremely seriously from many different angles. First and foremost, the governance piece. You know, when we talk about data, it's a very, uh, you know, there, there are some visceral reactions to that because quite frankly, I think we have been exploited um, by tech companies um, mm -hmm. that have leveraged, used our data against us or have just taken our data without providing any utility back to us. Uh, and I'm not gonna mention any names, but we probably all know the ones that, that are doing that. Yeah. Now, that being said, there are some wonderful platforms that are able to leverage information and provide utility back to the consumer. I think Spotify does a wonderful job of using how consumers are listening, what they're listening to, and being able to curate and personalize that experience. Netflix, same thing. Mm -hmm. I think Amazon does a, a, a wonderful job as, as well. Um, for us, for the consumer, that's how we utilize that information. How do we take the millions and tens of millions of orders, organize that, and so when, David, you're on a menu and you want to know what to buy, we can make smart recommendations and curate the list of, you know, on average, a dispensary carries about 500 SKUs. It's overwhelming. Mm. Can we curate that down to 10 or a two dozen or something like that? I think it's a little bit more manageable and get it right. Don't do it because someone's paying us more money to do that. You know, don't, don't, don't do it because it's, it's, we make the most money. Do it because that is going to provide the right experience for the consumer. Back to our music analogy, man, mm -hmm. like the best DJs are able to open up our minds and be like, wow, I want to keep going back to you for, for music recommendations. We want Jane to be a discovery tool for the consumer, a, a, a trusted discovery tool. For the retailers, what we provide in terms of information, man, now they get to understand how their SKUs are performing. You know, what should I be carrying on my store shelf? 
how should I be pricing these SKUs? What are good compliments to people who buy vegan edibles? They buy, I don't know, mints, for instance. Mm -hmm. Man, that's a crazy correlation that only can be uncovered with data. Guess what? Your next bundled sale should be, hey, if you buy a vegan gummy, you, you get 50% off on a, on a, on a mint. Um, what, what else, how else do we package it? We tell them how their stores are performing, how to schedule, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are the, the peak times, the slow times? How often does someone come back to your store? Where are they coming from when they click on your digital menu? Where do they go next? Um, mm. All that information is what we can provide back to these retailers. We don't charge them anything extra for that. It's their information. They own it. We let us package that and bring it back to these retailers so that they can make better, well-informed decisions. Um, what we provide in terms of information back to the brands, who are their consumers, right? The, 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 the brand is so disconnected from their end consumer in cannabis because you can't ship, Agrivi can't ship their flower directly to the consumer. So they yep. historically had to develop relationships by literally putting a pop-up Right, they call them vendor days. I don't know. I don't yep. know if they're, they're still doing them. Probably not. They anymore. are. No, they are. <laughs> they are. Right. That, that poor rep has to, especially during COVID, sit in the store and be like, "Hey, do you want to learn more about my product?" And you know, the the, the consumer's busy, and it's like, "Hey, I don't, I don't, I don't have time." Man, let us give that information back to the brand so that they can understand who their consumers are. They can understand cross categories. You know, mm -hmm. we have many brands leveraging us to say, "Hey, we're in this category." What other categories should we go into? Hey, let's let's let you understand how your consumers shop and what else they 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 purchase. Um, let's let you understand the velocity of these SKUs. You know, hey, do you want something that sits on the store shelf for a month? Do you want something that turns around in in, in two days on average? Um, that's what we're able to provide. And then for those that kind of aren't in the industry, the information that we can provide is, you know, some I, I would argue a real world, real time data set. That, that has cleansed information. Historically, if you look at data sets outside of Jane and you're trying to evaluate a brand or a, a product or a category or state geography, it's either based on a prediction, you know, like a best guess. Uh, so there's some inaccuracy built into the model there, or it's not very, very deep because you can't go back to what we were talking about in terms of cleansing the information. And so we feel like we have a data set that is really depicting the truth of what's going on in this industry and, and hopefully something that, that we, can, we can provide for those interested in, in the industry. And really, we can't grow as an industry if we are not all operating on the same level playing field. Hey, are, are we saying, if we're looking at a data set, all, are all of us agreeing that this is what's really going on? Mm -hmm. And because of all the disparate systems across the industry, there really hasn't been this source of truth upon which financing decisions can be made, inventory decisions can be made, retail decisions can be made, purchasing decisions. And we feel like the industry needs this. And so why not provide this again back to our partners being the retailers and the brands and hopefully with the capabilities of providing value to those end consumers in the form of personalization and curation. Um, that's very important to us. And I think a lot of tech companies that get it wrong 
we hope not to be one of them. And, and, and we, we prioritize getting our data program right, being transparent with it and setting precedent to say, hey, let anybody else who wants to get into this data program, let's be good stewards of this industry, uh, of the information here because the industry needs it and deserves it. And let's not go down the road of maybe perhaps some other tech companies uh, in, in the past. And, and, and so far we feel very, very good about our position there. And, and I think you should, you, you've touched on so many interesting uh, points in which data can both benefit uh, consumers, retailers, producers, but also ways in which uh, the data might be misused by other companies. And, you know, as an example, I was searching for a birthday gift uh, at one point on Amazon. The next thing I know, my wife is on the computer looking at Facebook and it's oh, making no. recommendations of things that it has no business sharing with someone <laughs> on the computer. But again, it's the lack of personalization. They're monetizing the data. Someone is buying that search history. What you're really offering is a service, a way to improve it. If you can see the buying trends of the consumer, then as a retailer, I might choose to restock on Mondays because I see my peak days are Tuesday and Wednesdays when I was getting restocked on Thursdays because that was at you know, when I was out of most of my things, but by getting the inventory at the right time, you're able yeah. to address your consumer. And the whole thing lends to a better experience for everyone involved. Um, so it's a real benefit for the data to, to be used this way. And you sound and you are using it so responsibly. Um, when it comes to other trends, I know that you and I in our conversation had, had said that you'd notice people are starting to, to focus on the ratios. And I think you mean the ratios of the chemical compounds, but, but tell me what you meant by that, because I am really interested in the, the evolution of the consumer pattern here in the cannabis industry. Yes, great question. So three years ago, no one was talking really about ratios of CBD to THC. Mm -hmm. Now it's, and I think there's some wonderful um, brands that kind of introduced this care by design, I think was early on this pop and Barkley was really early on this. And it's a really, you know, you talk to some, some newer consumers into the market and they love to say my ratio is two to one or my ratio is 20 to one, or I, I you know, or three to one or eight to one there's something there where people are starting to understand, ah, okay, cannabis is not just cannabis. THC and CBD aren't just THC and CBD. Now there's some kind of proportion to this. No one's talking about myrcene or limonene or, or things like that yet. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know if they ever will. I hope I personally, you know, kind of being in that, uh, that small minority, I, I would love to geek out on that stuff, but I think there will be some things about, you know, are there things that help me go to sleep? Let me understand what those are. We're starting to see double clicks into what different cannabinoids like CBN, you know, that's now becoming a, a, a thing. CBG is now becoming a thing. Slowly, slowly, people are starting to understand, wow, cannabis isn't just cannabis. There are, we're just starting to learn about all the little intricacies of this wonderful plant and how it speaks to me personally, how I personally get affected by this, this, this compound versus that compound or a combination thereof. And so we've had early on, there were a lot of 
you know, uh, uh, purists out there that were like, hey, man, don't put indica and sativa out there or put some more stuff on the, on the terpenes. And there's this balance of not confusing the consumer and, but also kind of inviting the consumer to take one step further on educating themselves. And that's that balance, right? Um, you know, you, you sit down with some people and you start geeking out about cannabis and their eyes glaze over, or you have, you know, people that really are knowledgeable and you're like, that's an indica. And they'll be like, okay, this is not helpful. So what is that right balance? And we can let other wonderful companies educate the consumer as well. You know, dispensaries, brands, etc. For us, I think it goes back to, hey, let us make these recommendations to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the first step. The second step is let us explain why we're making these recommendations to you, right? Hey, yes. we, we, we made this recommendation, but let us a little explain, hey, this actually has this terpene in it. This is the main, the, you know, the, the, the main cannabinoid in this, or the, here's the ratio to that. This is why perhaps you're feeling this way or, or you rated this a, a five-star. Let us bring you more. Um, that is so much fun and really hard to get right. And something that we're very patient with, because again, we don't want to pigeonhole the industry. We don't want to force it go down a direction, but hey, let us, let us kind of dance with the consumer a little bit in terms of educating them, allowing them to feel comfortable, allowing them to take another step. That's, that's kind of our, our focus, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. I mean, you're in an industry, we're in an industry that has both diehard, passionate consumers and brand new people that are entering, that are curious and don't have any background and, and might've only you know had it demonized in their past, like some of us. Um, but through education, you build trust. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what you're doing. And, and I love to teach, I love to educate, I'm a big nerd. And so I love getting into that nitty gritty, but I do find that you know, there's a lot of misinformation and, and there's a lot of um, lack of education. Yes, uh, yes. It's not so much even misinformation, just lack of exposure, lack of availability. And so I, I laud you for taking that approach. It's lofty to educate is hard and it doesn't always uh, end up in your financial favor as you produce a more educated, a more discerning consumer, you might see a shift in their buying patterns and it might go in a direction you didn't anticipate. But that trust you garner is going to be transferred to your brand and in building a brand, the consumer experience, the consistency, the trust they place in that brand is pivotal. I'm sorry, is pivotal in uh, the brand's success. And so I I love that you are helping uh, bring new and old cannabis consumers into a, a more educated place and a place that they can uh, more easily enjoy cannabis at, at a different level. Yes. And, and you hit the nail on the head. There, that, that trust, that is the key. And that takes mm-hmm. time. You know, and, and, and I, I loved your point about maybe we educate the consumer to where they change their buying behavior. And we almost say, actually, you shouldn't buy that because you... Mm-hmm. You should actually buy this product um, that's maybe cheaper, but it's the right product for you. I, I um, tr- trust is everything. And in a nascent market that is cannabis, we have one opportunity to earn the trust 
and we've done a wonderful job. And you see that with, with the political reform, you see that with cannabis being deemed essential business during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you're earning the trust of the public. Let's continue to do that. Let's not, it, let's not exploit the consumer. Let's not exploit the brands or the retailers. Let's continue to foster that trust. That is in the best interest of everyone involved in this industry. And, and again, that takes time. You got to earn that trust too. And, and again, something that we take very seriously here at Gene. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and you've earned my trust, Socrates, and I look forward to uh, more interactions with iHeartJane. I've, I've had my share already, but uh, definitely becoming my preferred platform. Um, you know, before we, we get off uh, and uh, end this wonderful podcast, Socrates, just wanted to talk about a, a little bit of a trend. You know, you have large mergers and acquisitions in cannabis. Uh, I think yesterday, Altmed and Verano announced a potential merger, which would put them into 14 states, making them a very large MSO, a powerhouse in the US. And you also see uh, an evolution of the licensing towards micro and craft, uh, allowing smaller entrants into the space, which have a different need to uh, differentiate themselves through a brand, a, a way to connect to consumers. So how do you see this incredibly divergent uh, trend in the market? You have this mergers and acquisitions on one side and then fostering the smaller uh, entities on the other. How do you see that playing out and how can iHeartJane help to make both of those groups successful? That's great. Great question. I think it's, I think it's good for the industry to have both succeed to have you know your big generic probably very value oriented retailer that's that's wonderful because people need that mm-hmm. then on the other side there we should have the opportunity to see more curated personal hyper local um what's the word maybe premium mm-hmm. product there because Honestly, that's this this industry was founded on diversity. We need that. We don't need it whitewashed, and we don't need not to say that we don't need, but it maybe is unrealistic to think that a million brands can survive here as much as I would love that. So we need a little bit of a mix. And I think that's that's the right thing to do ultimately for the consumer. At Jane, how we look at that, we we want to provide the enterprise level solution for these large MSOs. We work with the majority of them in the country. They are trying to, you know, to scale rapidly across different states and different complexities. From a tech standpoint, we can really streamline that operation for them and it's wonderful. Also from an information cleansing, et cetera, they, they really rely on Jane to do that. But that is not at, that's not um, at, at the um, expense of the small business. You see a lot of tech companies kind of side with big business, small business. We want to not only provide the same level of powerful technology, same level of information. That's what really information is everything in this industry. You're leveling the playing field. Exactly. You know, making it a competitive landscape and may the best and most popular win. Bingo. You're exactly. Let, let the best service, the best product emerge um, and not, you had to pay for that. Not, mm-hmm. oh, the only way I became at the top of the list was I, I dumped a lot of money for the tech company to list me that way. No, yeah. let's, let's let the people speak. Let's let 
you know, the, the service and the, the, the product speak for itself. And, and I think as long as we hold the line on that, we feel very good about what we're providing for this industry today and, and hopefully for years to come. Socrates, that's amazing. And I, I know you will provide for the industry to come in and the vital service of allowing these smaller businesses to compete, to market, to essentially make themselves known to this wider consumer audience is invaluable. I see that the flower markets continue to be, you know, around 40% of all the mature markets. And so craft producers will have a home. Um, you know, that quality is going to differentiate their products. And there will also be a place for the larger producers that are more focused on value and repetition. But ultimately, I appreciate the service that Jane provides to all of us in the uh, cannabis industry in the cannabis space. Socrates, before I let you go, tell me, how can people learn more about uh, iHeartJane? And, you know, what does the future hold for iHeartJane in terms of, you know, where you're hoping to take the company in the next couple of years? Uh, perfect. Well, uh, we always love hearing from anyone and everyone. Uh, uh, so please email us at, at info at iHeartJane.com. If you want to visit our site, we're in, you know, 33 state markets, iHeartJane.com. Uh, see what local products and retailers are, are around you in your, in your neighborhood. As for the future of, of where Jane is going, we, we really, um, we are so grateful for our position to be able to partner with brands and retailers. We are at a pivotal moment in time, period, in this world, but particularly for businesses, they need to step into the digital world. This is, the pandemic has, has kind of increased the slope uh, of the learning curve and you need to get up and over this thing pretty quickly. And to think that retailers will now be able to hire software developers and, and build their own platform is unrealistic. That's like thinking you know, a bunch of MIT engineers are, are gonna open up a, a dispensary that's not the best fit. And so for us is any way we can continue to help brands digitize their businesses, any way we can help retailers digitize their businesses, and quite frankly, any way we can help reach the consumer digitally uh, to provide safe, trusted access to this plant, man, that's what, that's what we're gonna do. And I, uh, I'm very excited about coming into next year and, and where this industry is, is gonna go. And really thank you, David, and, and all the, the wonderful cultivators and brands out there trying to bring this medicine to so many people and do it the right way. And uh, any way we as a tech company can help out, that's, where we're, that's what we intend to do. Socrates, I can't thank you enough for both what you're doing and it's all very well said. I look forward to the future with iHeartJane. And uh, again, thank you so much for making time today. Everyone, this has been AgriFi Live. Have a great day and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Future of Growth. We love to hear from our audience. Have a great idea for a guest or a topic you'd like us to cover? Thoughts you want to share? Reach out to media at agrify.com. Don't forget to stay connected with Agrify at Agrify Corp on all platforms and by visiting us at www.agrify.com. See you next time for another episode of The Future of Growth.